You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. doing a different thing again <laughs> because that's what we do many different things to try them all and see if this works we are back in my bedroom but we found out one mic seems to be the magic maybe it's solving the problem yes the 10 seconds we just recorded seemed okay so, so if it doesn't happens. um something changed and it wasn't us <laughs> It was probably a gremlin or some fucking it, shit. Absol- I definitely have. It was Mansi. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, good old Mansi. Yeah, yeah, I talk to him sometimes. <laughs> and I do something dumb. <laughs> Don't look at me, Mansi. Did you catch that, Mansi? No, I get that. That's fair. It's one of those, like, I tripped and almost fell, and then you look up at the ceiling like... God, I hope the guy who lives in my ceiling isn't <laughs> laughing at me right now. <laughs> you know, normal things that normal people think all the time. We name the man that lives in our ceiling because <laughs> we just assume there's a man in our ceiling. Man in the ceiling. Yes. Man C. Man C. Mm-hmm. Yep. There have been horror stories. Of yeah, there's people. a lot of them. <laughs> we listen to so, a lot of podcasts. Like, so we, we named you. You've got a nickname. You're part of us. It's um, cool. Don't I eat have, our food. We're poor. I, was just, I have so many rice cakes, though. I guess you can eat some rice you cakes. You can eat a couple rice cakes. <laughs> the worst part about this is you guys can't see, but we're both looking at the fucking, like, this is I, Well, I have the, the, in my room is the, like, thing that leads to your ceiling, just, like, the little crawl spacey whatever in the ceiling. So we're both looking at it, talking to, yeah. talking to Mansi. Mm-hmm. You know, just being polite, making yeah. as much eye contact as I can with a person who may or may not exist. Hopefully doesn't, but hey, we're being very kind if you are. <laughs> Also, Mansi, if you are hungry, you can definitely eat some of Martha's fucking bread because she doesn't fucking ever eat it, aka the fucking six loaves that are now in our garbage. Four. But yes. <laughs> so there is food for you. <laughs> Just ask me. Like, you're welcome to it. Just, like, leave a post it note out with, like, I assume you'll just cut out all the letters from magazines, which we don't have, so you'll have to break into a different apartment for that. Um, and it'll be like, can I eat your bread? And I will just leave another post-it, but I'll write it because I don't care about my handwriting. That says, sure, buddy. So anyways, let's move on to what we are talking about. Yes. Uh, WandaVision is great. Yes. Oh, God. If you don't know House of M, I did it last week. Yeah. The so episode that came out last Tuesday. Pay attention to that so one, too. So if you haven't listened, go listen to that, mm-hmm. because there definitely are some similarities. It's good. Yeah. It's yes. good. It's going to break my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm already, like, There's prepared a to be ultra fucked quiet up. Quiet shrieking and, and batting at each other yeah. when things happen. <laughs> You gave me, like, a solid push over something the other day, and I was like, what is this about? Feelings. The emotions and feelings that I can't control and don't want to have. Mm-hmm. This <laughs> is how I get about. them out, by pushing. I haven't been able to punch anything in a while. Oh, no. This does not bode well I keep being like, I'm friends. gonna buy a bag, and then I'm like, I'm gonna buy a dog. <laughs> hey, well, you know. You can go, you and your dog can go punch bad guys. It's true. Um, I think that's all in our world. Yeah, I was going to say. Puppies and and WandaVision. And WandaVision. That's pretty much. Yep. That's it. Our current jam. All right. It's fine, though. Anyway. (laughs) I'm probably not stressed at all. Doing great. <laughs> we're we're good here in this household. We know exactly what day it is and what time it is, Ugh. and we weren't just talking about throwing ourselves into the sun with our cat. Yeah, I think it'd be a little too hot. Well, you, it would be quick. <laughs> is the deal? 
We should watch Sunshine on that oh, note. Yes, on that note, we should watch Sunshine because Chris Evans is in it, and I need to watch every movie with Chris Evans. Yeah, who doesn't want to throw themselves into the I, sun? I mean, right? Whatever, Chris mm. Evans, let's do this. Okay. All right, on that note. On that note. We already got your fucking reference out of the way. I know, it's good. You let so me into welcome. that one, too. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But, but First, Let's, Let's Talk Nerdy. Clink. 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 All right, bitch. Episode 40. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, today, I am talking about the Blair Witch Project and found footage movies and why the Blair Witch Project <laughs> could only be as successful as it was at the time. I was going to say about. right then. Yep. They like <laughs> never again <laughs> struck when the iron was fucking hot, and, and that was literally it. no other way to get out of it. <laughs> so yeah, my references were Wikipedia. There was an article that was the Blair Witch Project at twenty: Why It Can't Be Replicated by Jake Crane Schreifels, and then there were a couple interviews that I read as well. Blair Witch Project made me dizzy. That's fair. <laughs> it's too I, shaky camera. <laughs> Carrie made me atrociously dizzy because they have that one scene where they are spinning around and dancing at the end and it's the it's that like theme that is through the whole thing and also I was on edibles the last time (laughs) I saw it (laughs) so I was like I have to put my head down like literally between my knees because I feel like the entire theater is spinning (laughs) All right, so The Blair Witch Project is a 1999 American supernatural horror film written, directed, and edited by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, It is based on the purportedly true story of three... I know. Quote, unquote, 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 unquote. I'm quoting so hard here. Um, Three student filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard who hike in the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film. I'm just going to say this now. Just stay out of the fucking woods. Yeah, don't hike in... Don't don't do that. Just stay out of the woods. Do you want to die? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To film... And also, like, not only is this bad, then it gets worse. To film a documentary about the local legend known as the Blair Witch. Like, that's like, I want to be dead. So they go into the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. Uh, the three disappear, but their equipment and footage is discovered a year later. And then the reportedly recovered footage is the film that the viewer sees, but obviously like edited way down, which <laughs> they fate. did like a lot. And all fake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They did a, a lot, a lot, a lot of fucking, like, like 80-something hours. Well, that doesn't surprise yeah. me, because I'm sure they mostly just filmed everything yeah. and had to... They had to. Going through and picking, and choosing, and cutting, mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. Yes. So the plot, very loosely, because that doesn't super matter here, but, you know, it's a little important. Heather, Mike, and Josh set out to produce the documentary about the fabled Blair Witch, the Blair Witch is basically just a takeoff on any Salem witch. They hear about a hermit who kidnapped people in the 1940s, and then they go out to camp into the woods. They find an old cemetery. There's seven small, like, little piles of rocks. And then that night they hear a bunch of twigs snapping. The following day they try to hike back to the car, but they can't find it before it gets dark. And then they hear twig snapping again. Because animals don't exist in this forest. Nope. Only We don't bring animals ghost to... Witches. Well, yeah, you can do both. The, the murderous ghost witch could have several pets. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if I was Familiars. a murderous ghost witch, yeah. I would want several pets. I want several pets, period. <laughs> I want several pets in general. I want several pets, period, but they would get the upgrade to familiar, which is awesome. <laughs> so they they get lost. They decide to head south using a compass, and they discover humanoid stick figures suspended in the trees. They hear uh, strange sounds that night, including children laughing, which that one I yeah. can't really explain away. is like 
animals, but you know, it's fake shit, so obviously that doesn't matter. The tent shakes and they like all flee in panic, and then they return to their tent and find that all of their possessions have been rifled through. Josh's equipment is covered in slime, which, ew. Ghostly slime. No. Someone just hawked a loogie on it. Uh, a ghost hawked <laughs> a loogie because that's what ghosts do because they're disgusting. <laughs> Don't come to me. Don't fucking haunt me if you're going to be gross. Or, you know, In you don't exist, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they come across a river and they realize that they've walked in a circle and then Josh suffers a breakdown because everything is fucked up and then disappears before the next morning. Heather and Mike try in vain to find him before they proceed. Uh, That night they hear Josh's agonized screams but are unable to locate him and they theorize that his screams are a fabrication by the witch in order to draw them out from their tent. Hmm. Which, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, We're getting into, like, Bandersnatch land where they can, like, mimic human Mm -hmm. voices to try to lure. Yeah, one of my favorite birds does that. So it's just a bird. Yeah, well, there's a bird in... I can't remember what the name of it is. But it is black. It has red eyes, so it's metal as fuck. And it can mimic... Like, it will mimic the sound of children out in the wilderness in Africa. So that, like, predators will come... It mimics so a we bunch literally of just solved all but, yeah. of the Blair Witch Project. Somebody brought a bird. Someone over. brought one of these fucking birds, and then the bird was like, "I'm, I'm just gonna with fuck with you because I have nothing else to do. There's no crazy predators for me to fuck with." That said, okay. So <laughs> the next day, uh, Heather discovers a bundle of, of sticks tied with fabric from Josh's shirt. And also blood-soaked scraps of his shirt and teeth and hair and a piece of his tongue. So, How do they know it was his tongue? <laughs> the taste? No. Um, a good question. I think that's probably a fair assumption. She decides not to tell Mike about it. And that night she records herself apologizing to her family and Mike's family and Josh's family and taking responsibility for the predicament. Uh, they again that night hear Josh's agonized cries and they follow them to an abandoned house containing demonic symbols and children's bloody handprints all over the walls. And they try to find Josh. They go to the basement where an unseen force. Also, never go to the basement. No! Basements are bad. Basements have one exit and you don't ever want to go to any place that has one fucking exit. And there's always murderers down there. Just make sure you have two exits because if you have one, you're going to get fucking corn. True. And then you're gonna get murdered. It's true. Don't be a dumb dumb. Don't go into the woods. Mm-mm, that's true. <laughs> don't go into the woods. And if you go into the woods, don't go into the house. And if you go into the house, don't go into the basement. <laughs> like, how many bad choices can you fucking make? <laughs> For real. They're like, oh, well, maybe he's in the basement. So they go into the basement. Uh, Mike gets attacked by an unseen force. And he drops the camera. A Heather enters the basement screaming. Her camera captures Mike standing in a corner. Like, he's standing in the corner, like, with his face in there. The unseen force attacks Heather, causing her to drop her camera. And then the footage ends. That is the plot of the Blair Witch movie. Um, How did they recover these cameras? They were just found. But why didn't the people who find them suffer the same fate? Maybe they didn't go looking for the Blair Witch. They were just like, yo, we found this shit and it's fucked up and we edited it together. But also we didn't try to like hang out with the Blair Witch and be like, what's your house like, babe? Probably really messy. Don't come over. Don't come over unannounced. It's rude. And you deserve this. Okay, maybe not. That's a little much. This is me as a witch in the woods, in case you were wondering. I don't like people who drop in. That's fucked up. Martha won't live in the woods. She doesn't like the woods. No, that's fucked up too. (laughs) Have you listened to any of the things that I've said? I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) This is only telling me to continue to stay out of the woods. Mm -hmm. Unless it's like state park woods. Then you're probably safe-ish, but also bring a taser and a friend. Or and go during, like, big regular hours yeah. when a bunch of people are there. Don't go off path. Don't be a fucking dummy. Yeah. Okay. The Blair Witch Project is not the first found footage film. 
a lot of film historians credit Ruggiero Deodato's uh, 1980 thriller Cannibal Holocaust, which also featured the disappearance of a young movie crew. However, it's way more fucked up and terrible I'm and surprised. features 80s. some like animal cruelty and grossness. Oh, we don't it's, like that. Um, banned oh, in a lot of places. We don't like that. Yeah. When they were filming the Blair Witch Project, the directors, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, made a point of minimizing their interactions with the actors uh, throughout filming and making the experience as authentic as possible by forcing them to camp in the woods. So basically, they, like... I would have quit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, this would have been... And, like... All of the dialogue is improvised, literally all of it. Like, And what they had was all of their performances were based on notes that were delivered to them in like different film canisters that were sometimes pitting them against each other. And uh, they would use GPS to go from location to location. And when they wouldn't like kind of follow those notes, then they would be like kind of pushed that way by the crew, but on the outside. It's spooky and fucking terrible and shit. Some of their direction notes would be like, Heather, you're absolutely sure that you're going to get out of this mess if you go self. Don't take no for an answer. Or Josh, somewhere along the way today, you've had it with this bullshit. Like, that's it. And it's like, you just have to figure out where to go with that. They only intervened if they felt they needed to tone it down. And then the gags that they pulled at night were like, the children's voices are shaking the tent. And they had to like react to that. Also, um, when they first started with the production, they weren't even 100% sure where the ending was going to, like, what they were going to do with the ending. They just knew that they didn't want, like, some, like, witch coming out being like, it was me! (laughs) (laughs) With a wart on her giant nose. (laughs) Yes. They were like, not that, or not, like, random aliens that come down, and, like, it can't be anything like that. Which I think part of the Blair Witch's success is the fact that they leave it all up to. It always it's up to you. Things always get mm-hmm. less scary as soon as you see the yeah. big bad because whatever you're picturing in your head is always going to be the scariest, and it's never going to translate to the screen because your scariest mm-hmm. isn't someone else's scariest. There's a Lovecraft quote that is, uh, "Fear is the most powerful emotion, and the most powerful fear is fear of the unknown," mm-hmm. and that's totally true. Yeah, and. That's why, like, not just because of the timing, but also Blair Witch was like, here, you can be afraid of whatever is in your mind. Mm-hmm. And Cannibal Holocaust was like, here's a lot of very specific, terrible things to be in your head for the rest of your life that you can be afraid of. It's like, I don't want trauma. I want to have fun. <laughs> also, in 1999, reality TV was going fucking gangbusters. It wasn't like the beginning of reality TV. So I looked up The Real World started in 1992. That MTV shit. Yep. Um, but like The Real World and Cops it. were on the rise. Oh, shit cops. like that. I know Jesus Cops. Christ. Bad boys, bad boys. What, what you gonna, gonna do? do? What you gonna, gonna do, do when it comes for? Oh, bad boys, bad boys. So fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... If you look at it now, it's like you're just taking advantage of poor people. It's yep. fine. Mm-hmm. So the creators of Very Blair Witch. Very racist as well. Yes. Extremely. Yep. But yeah, so the creators of Blair Witch saw that this would be the perfect time for their project. Also, that convergence of like reality TV being on the rise primed viewers for the lo-fi aesthetic that in the right hands with the right idea could lead to something novel. And it also allowed for an extremely low budget, um, which they only put like $25,000 into actually filming it. They put quite a bit more money into editing it later, but like it was eight days of filming and it's just like nobody did any makeup, nobody did (laughs) any things. Like there's just fucking sticks tied together. There wasn't a lot of money thrown into this. Some ketchup on this cloth. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, also another reason that Blair Witch Project was so successful was more than a year before it hit theaters and became like a cultural phenomenon, its central mystery had already gone viral. So first Sanchez and Mike Manello, who was a producer on Blair Witch, 
who was uh, instrumental in funding and publicizing the film. Uh, they put together a stylistically unique website, which was launched in June of 1998, but it had uh, faux police reports and newsreel-style interviews, fielding questions about the quote-unquote missing students. And then, because they had so much fucking footage, they could put footage there that they didn't put in the movie, and it would still be like... Mm-hmm. And this was back in the day when, even though there was internet, it mm-hmm. wasn't as... It was brandy new! You had to still type the www in to go to the website. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Throwback to another episode we have done! <laughs> oh my god. Yep, yeah, exactly. So these made the film's fan footage device... It made it work a little bit more because there was a lot of debate around, across the internet versus whether it was a real-life film or a work of fiction. They had a site message board, and then when everything was starting to build up, when the movie was actually starting to come out, they sent an email newsletter to some of the more loyal browsers and sent like really built up a hardcore fan base. And they added details to the site as necessary, um, but most of the dedicated readers knew that the story wasn't real. But uh, after the movie premiered at Sundance Film Festival, there was a whole fresh wave of people who were like, it could be real. These people could potentially be dead. They weren't at the film festival. They weren't allowed to go. And IMDb listed them as fucking dead. Which, wild. I'm like, IMDb was in on it? Jesus. Also, so during the Sundance Film Festival, they were distributing flyers that were like, come forward if you know anything about the missing students, you know, so it's like just a guerrilla campaign of... Can you imagine if that was actually real and these people were like, I'm just going to make money off these dead missing people? (laughs) I know, who would be like, you're a monster, you're a fucking monster. (laughs) How fucking dare you? You brought this to Sundance to be like, I'm wearing my little beret and I'm smoking my little cigarettes. Somebody pat me on the back for being the coolest person in the world. Um, Jesus. Did these people die, you shit? Are you kidding me? (laughs) But yeah, even on IMDb, they were listed as missing, presumed dead in the first year of the film's availability. Also, the website contained materials of the actors, of actors posing as police and investigators giving testimony of their casework. And they shared childhood photos of the actors to add like a sense of realism to everything. By August 1999, the website had reached 160 million hits. Which in the 90s was fucking bonkers. This this wouldn't work now just because of our social media. Mm -hmm. Everybody would know those people. Yeah. They'd be like, I'm friends with you on Facebook. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, her name's Heather and she looks like this. Or her name's Heather Donahue. We'll immediately look her up. A week before the uh, movie's release, uh, Myra Kin Sanchez debuted a separate faux documentary called The Curse of the Blair Witch. On the Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, it added to the myth by using interviews and archival material that they had cut to the movie, and it was not presented as fiction. It was presented as fact at the mm. time. I feel like that should be illegal. It's probably illegal now. I was just saying, they're doing a whole lot of, like, falsifying information. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of stuff. Do you think they had to go to law enforcement in this town and be like, this isn't real. You don't have to fucking... <laughs> Look for these missing people. Probably. Because <laughs> they're not missing. <laughs> I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. So there was a lot of hype and intrigue around the whole account of everything and watching the Blair Witch Project. And because it was fueled by the internet's kind of beginning and the premiere, which built on that in 1999, would eventually emerged was the feature length film made of spliced together scenes of shaky home video footage. That made me dizzy. Yes. (laughs) Um, Which made the demise of its three characters seem all the more authentic and terrifying. Of course, obviously it was all fiction, but a lot of people didn't know that going in. So uh, poor fucking Heather Donahue was like, you guys literally wrote my fucking obituary. It was published when I was 24. They published my obituary when I was 24. And it's very complicated to be dead when you're still alive and trying to make a name for yourself. 
Which I was, I was like, first I of know, all, you didn't does. get paid enough. No. But secondly, the fact that they're like, oh, this person who's trying to be an actress is dead. Is dead. This is the, like, one thing where she really made a name and we're like, no, she's not around anymore. Also, like, here's a close-up of your face where you're and just, it's one like, thing covered to in maybe, Yeah, and it's one thing to maybe do it for, like, a month after the release or, like, but as soon as it's at a, like, or at least tell fucking Hollywood for people who would be hiring her. It's so hey, this shitty. is all part of Especially a thing. She carried that whole entire fucking yes, movie. She absolutely, she's the only thing I actually really remember. Mm-hmm. She wrote an article about being in it. And um, one of the parts it was on a brutally hot July day, the 1984 Toyota Celica I bought with my temping pay when I moved to LA overheated again. Only this time it happened under a billboard with my face on it. I sat there under my enormous face waiting for the car to cool down, thinking, surely this will work out. And after an interview with her hometown paper, she shared the story and jokingly said, I'm like the poorest new famous person in America. And the marketing department didn't think this was funny. So they were like, um, you can't say things like that. And she was like, okay. Why not? Are you going to actually pay me? And to make up for it, they sent her a fruit basket. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Country. Yeah, she enjoyed making the movie, but like they didn't, they didn't pay her enough, and yeah. then they like were like, okay, also you can't use the experience. Yeah, yeah, but the movie is heavily credited with reviving the found footage technique, which was later used in similarly successful horror films such as Paranormal Activity and Cloverfield, and then it also made nearly two hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide. It's also bullshit that it made that much money. And, and she didn't. She doesn't get fucking anything. Yeah. They probably paid her five grand and that was it. It was literally the 37th most profitable horror film, which is fucking bonkers. Yeah. And then she got completely fucked over by it. And also like traumatized because this was her one experience in Hollywood. And it's like, oh, it's fine. Well, now everything is terrible. Luckily, um, when they made the new Blair Witch, they approached her and they were like, um, so basically I guess the new Blair Witch is like a continuation of the old one. I didn't see it, so it doesn't really fucking matter. But they're like, oh, somebody's sister. And she was like, I really don't want anything to do with it. And they were like, we literally won't even mention your name. You won't be in it at all. And they were really good about it. So she was like, I'm excited for that because they're not being shitheads about Mm -hmm. the whole fucking thing. Most of the reasons why it was so successful were it was the 90s and it was before, it was the 90s and it was before internet was to, what it was to take advantage today. of all of those things. Mm-hmm. It was easy to take advantage of people because they didn't have all of the like different Technology. places where they could say things like hey you're fucking me over. Yeah. It was easy to take advantage of the internet because it was the baby internet mm-hmm. and it was easy to take advantage of found footage because we hadn't seen it since the 80s and when we saw it in the 80s it was when they killed some animals and were just terrible. Um, and also, like, they, I feel like the Blair Witch Project was also, they first dipped their toe into fandom through the internet and saw that that's a huge, like, motivator for literally anything, as we have seen in literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that is why we will never get another movie that is the same as the Blair Witch. You just can't do it. No. it the it's internet not, makes it impossible to do that. Well, yeah. You can't be as low-fi. You can't be as, Between like, Twitter too many things and Facebook and Instagram yeah. and easily be able to look it, look things up. Like, up. yeah, it's easy to find cases. Like, you can find a case. You might not be able to find a lot on a case, mm-hmm. but you can find a case yeah. if someone is missing or dead like and even like the like you don't have to be the most internet sleuth to know that a, a website isn't as old as yes. it says it is or things yep. like that and it's also easy enough for all it would take is her being friends with one person on facebook that isn't like mm-hmm. in the know Their that's like Got fucking condolences from people that they Yeah, know. and that wouldn't happen no. on Facebook, because you'd be like, no, this person just but posted they on never, Facebook. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, you'd have to pay a lot of, a person a lot of money to be like, you've you got to pretend you're dead year. for whatever yeah. amount of time. Like, yeah. 
they had just enough internet to help spread it, but it wasn't too much that it would instantly bust. They caught their it at story. literally the, exact the perfect time yeah. where it was like everything's going to be viral, but it won't be so viral that that people you can like easily figure it, it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to do, like, legit yeah. shit to figure it out, and not as opposed to just typing in Google <laughs> now, <laughs> which is all you have to do. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and also, like, watching, I don't know. I always liked Heather as, I feel like you either side with, like, the dudes or you side with Heather in the Blair Witch movies, and they're all wrong because nobody's making a good decision. <laughs> no one's making a good yeah, choice. But also, like, she's they went trying into the woods. to do something. They started at the yeah. back. Exactly. <laughs> they were like, we'd like to poop out here any bugs. And I'm like, that sounds that great. Sounds awful. You know what? I'd like 20,000 mosquito bites. I would like more mosquito bites than fucking freckles. <laughs> I don't have any more blood anymore, actually, if that's the case. That would be the end of me. You would be like, that- that's the real story of how they die. <laughs> Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Martha and I just learned I went to order food and then Martha happened to look at her food. Note to self. Note to everybody. Yeah. Note to everyone here. This is important. We both were on DoorDash and our delivery fees for the same place were different. They like me better. Apparently so. Yeah. Which is weird. Weird. Rude and dumb. It is. It is weird. Is this still both DoorDash? But yes. So. Fuck you, DoorDash. If there's ever more than one of you ordering food, both of you should look. Because apparently they give random discounts Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) Sometimes they just like you better or worse. (laughs) Question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) Oh, shit. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm so fucking ready for this. (laughs) I don't know where this topic came from. I thought of it while I was watching my show earlier. I love that. (laughs) So today... I am talking about Dragon Ball Z, the history of trunks. Oh! Oh my god, I had a huge crush on trunks. So, trunks was my first ever love. Oh my god. Fake person love. I get it. We would like, uh. Um, he wasn't first for me, I think Mamo-chan became first. Yeah, no, so. But, like, Trump, Trump, so DBZ and Tenchi Moyo were like oh middle, god. like sixth grade middle school, and Trunks was like my boyfriend. But today I'm talking about the stupid little short history of Trunks, specifically. God. I know. Babe, I love him. So sadly, I don't know if I still have it. I probably don't. But I used to have a Polaroid. (laughs) A Polaroid that was me in a brown tank top holding a picture of trunks that I drew. Damn it, I I wish you still had that. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to take a look and see. Like, I specifically remember my sixth grade locker (laughs) having taped up pictures. Okay. It was a picture that i'd drawn of trunks and it was also a poster that said i love trunks oh god they were next to each other and that was the That's picture real bad me. oh yeah so it was like <laughs> this nerd is a bitch <laughs> my bedroom circa 2001 <laughs> I, don't I would know. pay so much money to see that i printed out yes dozens of pictures <laughs> and cut them up the wall that the bed is against was plastered and just printed out pictures of nerd things from Dragon Ball Z and Tenchi and <laughs> I had a Sailor Moon binder. I had a Sailor Moon I binder. Had a and I had a Digimon binder. 
I just printed out all the fan art that I really liked yeah. and put it in my binder and real like, bad. hole punched it. Now I can draw things, but before then I couldn't. Real bad. Yeah. Also, I feel like probably as a person, I'm probably older than future trunks now, and that's fucked up. Like, like he was like 17, so yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really think about him being older than, oh, I guess 17. I just... I just literally have never thought about it until now. And now I'm like, oh, my biggest, I'm my, so my biggest, oh my so God, I'm old. old is Resident Evil. So when I first started playing Resident Evil, like Jill and Chris and all of them were like old, like they were like 23 oh and I think God, Chris was so... 25. And I was even like, I was so young that I wasn't even like Claire who was 19. And now I'm like, I am eight years older than Jill was in that first round. Oh my god. That's so. Oh, that's. It wasn't even the like, oh, I'm the same age. I'm like, no, I am like dinosaur to her. <laughs> it's like she's it's telling you how to use your phone. It's li- literally. That's exactly how yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh, it's rude. Like, and it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I get it when I'm, I look at somebody in their high school age and I'm like, I'm so old compared to you. But then I look at somebody in their 20s and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Oh no, it's still true. I know. It's rough. It's rough. Luckily, Leon keeps getting put in game, Mm -hmm. so he keeps aging with me. And there's always leaning to those fucking immortals. If somebody's like 600, they're definitely older than you. Damn. Done. Sold. Shit. All right. (laughs) So, um, my source is Wikipedia fandom and. I rewatched the history of Trunks. It's on YouTube for free if you want to watch it. <laughs> oh my god. I know. I, I haven't seen it in forever. I used to have it on VHS. <laughs> Alright, so I'll give you just a little overview of everything in case you guys don't know what Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z is, which if you don't, you're not a nerd and you've lost your nerd Or cred. you were just not around during I guess the you 90s. Were you were under a rock or you were born later. Mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z is a Japanese anime television series produced by Toei Animation. T-O-E-I? Toei? Toei? I have no idea. And it's the sequel to Dragon Ball and it, it adapts the latter 324 chapters of the original 519 chapter Dragon Ball manga series created by Akari Toriyama, which ran weekly in Shonen Jump from 1984 to 1995. Oh my god! It was old enough to drink. 84 to 95. Oh no, that's only 11 years. I gave it 10 years. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that... I feel like it went on long enough that it could drink, though. Dragon Ball drank. Just trust me. It doesn't matter if it was old enough to drink. It definitely fucking drank. It doesn't matter. So Dragon Ball Z aired in Japan on Fuji TV from April 1989. The year I was born. To January 1996. And then it was dubbed in territories including the United States, Canada, Australia, Europe, Asia, India, and Latin America. And then it was broadcast in at least 81 countries worldwide. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Goku is international. Yes. Being impatient about the spirit bomb is international. (laughs) Like, is this going to take four episodes? Jesus. (laughs) Is this four episodes of just... real reason why all of our neighbors are gonna move out <laughs> the dog's barking across the hall i'm sorry i'm just really trying to become a super saiyan <laughs> okay so dragon ball z continues the adventures of son goku who along with his companions defend the earth against villains ranging from aliens to androids to magical creatures ah. did you fall off my bed there was some shifting going on i'm fine I just want to make sure that I'm close <laughs> enough to the microphone, but also, like, comfortable. Because my hip was doing a weird thing. Because I'm old as shit, Which as we we've have established. previously established. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're, like, you're really close to me. I don't know. Tell me all about it. <laughs> this isn't even a good gag. This is a fucking podcast. 
You guys can't even see the fact that I've crawled across the bed and am lying across everybody's face. <laughs> oh. Fine, I'll put my butt over here and my face over here. It's all good. I got this. Okay. <sighs> While the original Dragon Ball anime follows Goku from childhood to early adulthood, Dragon Ball Z is a continuation of his adult life, but also (coughs) has the same parallels to the life of his son, Gohan. Oh, Gohan. Oh, Gohan. Fucking nerd. Yes, he's a big part of this story. Yes. Due to the success of the anime in the United States, the manga chapters making up the storyline were initially released by Viz Media... Right. Is that even a thing anymore? I don't know. <laughs> Under the Dragon Ball Z title. Dragon Ball Z's popularity has spawned numerous releases, which have come to represent the majority of the content of the Dragon Ball franchise. This includes 15 movies, two TV... 15? Spe- yes. Sorry. Two TV specials and 148 video games. Many of them only released in Japan, though. What? Right? I know. 148? 148. Um, Can you make 148 video games about the same topic? I mean, and I'm sure they're all just like fighting games. Oh, I feel bad. (laughs) And there is a host of soundtracks stemming from the material. Dragon Ball Z remains a cultural icon through numerous adaptations and re-releases, including a more recent remastered broadcast the title Dragon Ball Kai. And then there have been two recent sequel series, Dragon Ball GT, which stands for Goten Trunks. I remember that. From 1996 to 1997. And then Dragon Ball, yes. uh, Yep. I remember watching it on Toonami. And then Dragon Ball Super, which is actually 2015 to 2018. I knew there was something that was more recent. recent, But I knew I also hadn't watched it. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to move on to Dragon Ball Z, the history of Trunks. Bib. It is known in Japan. Get ready for this title. I'm ready! Dragon Ball Z, defiance in the face of despair, exclamation point, exclamation point, the remaining super warriors, Gohan and Trunks. I wasn't fucking ready. (laughs) Two exclamation points? Also, why is it so long? It's It's a title! So long. Uh, Um, I'm assuming it's condensed a lot in the Japanese language. But in English, it's real long. Maybe one of those things where it's like, here's this line, then there's the subtitle. Yeah. I also like... Mm -hmm. You don't need a subtitle if you do a good job with your title. Yeah. And like the trunk story is good enough to not need 30... It's a lot. lot. Oh, so here's a fun Martha story about Dragon Ball Z. For a long time, I thought Vegeta was spelled one way. But uh, they had so many episodes where the title was just like, Vegeta dies. Yes. Well, the the thing with Dragon Ball Z is you always knew what was going to happen in the episode because that's what the title of the episode was. It's so fucking funny because you'd never see that in like anything Anything else. else. Yeah. They were like... Most of the time, you're like, that title had nothing to do with what happened in the episode. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yep. So I thought... (laughs) The 18th death of Krillin. Yeah. (laughs) We have to get the Dragon Balls again. (laughs) Because Krillin won't keep fucking tripping over his face and then smashing his head open. You stupid nerd. Get your shit together. Jesus. Um, Yeah, so I thought it was spelled like fajita, but... Pronounced Fajita. I mean, that's. (laughs) It's not unfair, but also it's one of those things where I saw it and I was like, I'm immediately embarrassed for the rest of my life. So I thought I would share it with you guys. (laughs) Well, every time I type it, I'm definitely like, Vegeta. Like, vegetable. (laughs) Just put the bull off. Just yoink. Oh, shit. All right, so fajitas. To be fair, it's like the beginning of vegetable, and I was going in for fajitas. (laughs) I mean, one is the proper way to go. One of those things would be more delicious for me. (laughs) Fajitas have plenty of vegetables in them. (laughs) All right, so Dragon Ball Z, The History of Trunks. Is a 45-minute TV special and that the anime based off of Akira Toriyama's Dragon Ball manga series. It originally aired in Japan on February 24th, 1993. Oh! 
Yep. Between episodes 175 and 176. We stayed solidly in the 90s for this one. Yes, we did. Not planned. Quick lead into the short. In the main timeline, the Earth is being attacked by androids. And though it seems like your heroes will at some point conquer them like they always do, things are not going so great and it's only going to get worse. A purple-haired teenager shows up in a capsule corp jacket. And a it's capsule- cropped, by it the way. It is a crop jacket. <laughs> How you can tell it's the 90s, it's a cropped jacket. <laughs> Sorry, that was such an abrupt thing. But it's really important. It's cropped. You Ugh. should know that. Crop sweatshirts are so comfortable. I'm, it's not like a bad look. He pulls it off and shit. Uh, like, anyways. I'm not passing on that nonsense. <laughs> As we've already discussed, I have a big crush on trunks still, except for now I'm twice his age. <laughs> I know. Don't say that. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. It's horrible. I'm a thousand. Shit. All right. He's wearing a capsule corp jacket and he shows up in a capsule corp machine. He states his name is Trunks, son of Bulma, and shocking to everyone, Vegeta. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know when he says that. I just know that. I, I feel I like that's like a it. no, but I feel like that's like a big reveal a little bit later on. I don't think yeah. he says it. The oh very no, beginning. he's not like, hey, hey. I'm this <laughs> yes, person. He's but, like, hey, I'm Trunks, and he, I'm here for yes. the future. He's from the future where androids continue to kill and destroy, and everyone is dead. Everyone he's talking to. All of them people. Yeah, He's basically 90s cable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. I know. I have feelings about that too. <laughs> <laughs> it all starts with Goku getting sick and Trunks has brought the cure to stop these androids and to save the people from the world he grew up in. So now that we know a little bit of what the hell is going on and where Trunks came from, the special begins with Goku's tragic death from the heart virus. 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 Just heart disease. <laughs> Some high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And around six. <laughs> I thought you said eat butter. And I was like, don't do that. Don't. That'll give you high cholesterol. Don't, don't eat butter. Butter will not do the thing that you want it to. Um, no. Oh, no. Just just eat a pile of butter. Just eat a stick of butter, guys. You know what will make you better? Butter. Better butter. Butter is better for you than margarine, though. Note to self and to everyone else. <laughs> but still don't eat a lot. <laughs> just, you know, if you're going to eat, like, a, a handful of one or the other, you should probably eat butter, butter. over the margarine. Shit. There's nothing <laughs> like buttered toast, though. Buttered, like, corn buttered muffins. fresh bread. Buttered just corn. Ugh. With, like, fucking salt. Ooh, 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 ooh. yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> literally butter and melted butter and lobster meat. Uh, butter on popcorn. Fuck. What if I just <laughs> remember when we could go to movies and get buttered popcorn? <laughs> There's nothing like movie popcorn either. We'll have to try the drive-ins popcorn. Yeah, they have. Next time popcorn. we go, let's just buy a bunch of fucking food. So Goku dies from high cholesterol. <laughs> And high blood pressure. Rip. And um, around six months later, on May 12th in this 767, the androids appear. Android 17 and 18, which is how we got into that tangent, because 18 is baller. Yes. Um, cause the death of all of the dragon team, except for Gohan, who is younger at the time. He's a small <clears throat> bean. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the Z fighters are unable to wish back anyone to life with the Dragon Balls because Piccolo is actually the first to die. And with Piccolo's death comes Kami's death. We move 13 years into the future. It is now apparently age 780 is how they go by. The androids are on another spree of terror, complete with a lot of murder and destruction. Android 18 goes on a little shopping spree, which is everything. And in the end, everything is destroyed. Bummer. I didn't put the S on the end of Trunks' name here, so it just says Trunk. He is now 14, and he's driving in the car. Well, he's in the passenger seat. His mom is driving. They're in a convertible. She's cute as shit. I'm so cute. Her hair is long. She is like, little 
wrinkle lines because she's getting a little older, but she's still fucking following She's probably like shit. my age, Ugh. you fucking dickheads. What the hell? So he's in the car with his mom, Bulma, and the radio is broadcasting about the attack on this, this town. Trunks, not being able to take it anymore, flies from the car and towards the city with Balma just yelling at him, being like, what the fuck? You better fucking come back alive. But I can't really do anything about yet because you can fly. I'm not (laughs) able to do that. This is what I get for having the son of a fucking Saiyan. (laughs) Right? Um, Trunks flies away. When he gets to the city, everything is completely destroyed and everybody is dead. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer, bro. Mm-hmm. So it's then the 23-year-old Goku, Gohan shows up. <laughs> Whatever. There goes. It's it's fine. Trunks has a good cry. Me and too. Then he, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> and then he begs Gohan to train him and Gohan agrees. The boys agree to keep it a secret from Bulma, but she's not stupid and she knows they're up to no good. She's way smarter she's than She's way smarter nerds. than all of them. Definitely Gohan. Then from Bulma is when we find out that Gohan has been taking the androids on by himself since mm. he's the only one who's really able to stand up to the androids. He himself was able to become Super Saiyan after he witnessed most of the deaths of <laughs> his <laughs> friends. That's fair. Rage. Does and yes, emotions a are a good big part and of also mostly the bad and shit. Yep. Yes. Now we're taken to the next scene. Gohan is training Trunks to fight and to try to gain that Super Saiyan power. Trunks himself is very close to becoming Super Saiyan, but he's just not quite there yet. He even shocks Gohan a little bit with how close he is. After a training session where Trunks almost drowns, he musters up the courage to ask Gohan about his father. Gohan just kind of laughs at him as he's drowning. It's fine. Rude. Yep. He got trained by fucking Piccolo. (laughs) So it's not like he was like, here's how to be sensitive. (laughs) Don't, don't freeze. And and Trunks was like, I literally just almost drowned. It's cool though. Yeah. He probably smiled at him afterwards, which was nicer than Piccolo would have Yes. Piccolo would have just pushed him back into the water. <laughs> you should have done a better job. We try again. <laughs> have you thought about not being like this? All right. I can't remember if we know at this point if Vegeta is Trunks's father. I don't know if it's already been told in the anime at this point. Either way, he does ask about his father, but they don't say Vegeta's name. But Uh, at the same time... They don't know how to spell it. (laughs) They do know how to say it, though, so they should be able to speak it. I know how to say it. I just didn't, I guess, totally know how to say it. Because I was saying it with an F instead of a V. But they're really pretty close. (laughs) So, after the training session... Trunks musters up the courage to ask Gohan about his father since his mother doesn't talk about him much. Like I said, I wasn't, I don't know at this point we know it's Vegeta. But if you use your brain for half a second, we don't really, how many fucking Saiyans does fucking Bulma know? Yeah. Two. And it's not Goku, so. <laughs> Goku wouldn't fuck around on Chi Chi. No. She would absolutely. crush him. Kill him. Kill him. Yep. Be dead. He doesn't need heart disease. He would just have a murderous wife. Also, can I say that's one of... I I love that, like, ship trope. Yes. So, like, I'm very, very powerful, and then it's like, but my kind of bitchy wife will put me in my place. (laughs) And I love her so much. My kind of bitchy partner. It doesn't matter what it is. The person who is much less powerful, but also kind of a bitch. Like, oh... Hi, this is exactly what I love. (laughs) Uh, One day, the androids attack Superworld, which is an amusement park. Superworld is getting attacked. Ho, ho. It starts with, like, Android 18 and Android 17, like, riding on a roller coaster and riding the rides. And I'm like, hey, guys. Are they riding it with, like, no expression? Well, they seem like they're having fun, but it probably is with them. But they can fly. How is riding in a fucking oh my God, roller coaster love- any different than when you're flying through fucking air? Not having control. There you go, baby. They do have control. They're androids. Well, shut the fuck up. That can fly. It's the illusion of not okay. having control. So, Trunks, who is 13. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, I think he's 14, but that doesn't make that much better. I feel slightly better. (laughs) All right. So Gohan and Trunks 
Gohan's of legal age by many years. Okay. Right, and he wears those dumb glasses, yeah. doesn't he? Well, not in not in this, but in GT he does. Yes. So Gohan and Trunks, who happen to be flying around, see the smoke and hear the screams. So they show up and are like, hey, can you stop destroying this amusement cart? Amusement park. Amusement, <laughs> amusement park and killing all these people. This is still and in the future, yeah. Yeah, this is all the future. The whole movie takes place in the future. And the whole 45 minutes of this movie Oh takes my place. god, it's so long. I forgot. <laughs> and But at this point, the androids are so over Gohan shit. So they're like, let's just kill him today because he's becoming a, a thorn in our side that we don't fucking like anymore. That's a much more eloquent way to put that. <laughs> <laughs> so Android 17 uh, ends up taking on Gohan while Android 18 watches and then Gohan transforms into a Super Saiyan. But after a few hits where he's clearly taking control, Android 18 joins the fight and so the two begin to overtake Gohan. Trunks, being like, that's not fair, because the good guys are always like, you have to fight fair, tries to distract and fight Android 18, and he does manage to fight her for a few minutes, but then is easily defeated. It's and like, your taste is really bad. <laughs> True. You like people who die all the time. <laughs> and uh, just as 18's about to basically kill Trunks with some crazy blast, Gohan saves him. And they end up hiding in some debris in the park. The androids being unable to find them and just basically shooting a bunch of, I don't know, I guess they're like energy blasts. Blasts? Just cold Yeah. And just getting, uh, hoping they'll get lucky and end up killing him. Gohan and Trunks do survive the blast, but it is at the cost of Gohan's arm. Oh, Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Also. Also a kink of mine. (laughs) But it's a thing. That almost came out of my mouth, you fucking bitch. But that's fair. For you. It for some reason like, is I'm my king. Not going missing to arm appendages. But like, how many other missing arm people are on your list? There's Bucky. There's Yang. There is um, Gohan, apparently. Apparently Gohan. Uh, <laughs> Never been so attracted to Gohan before, uh, but he's 23 and doesn't have an R. <laughs> and he's kind of a nerd. I mean, it's cute. I get it. There is Shanks from One Piece. Oh, yeah. And there is Game of Thrones. His whole arm isn't missing, but Fucking it's his- Jamie. Yeah. I love Jamie so much. Okay. So Gohan loses his arm and he like wakes up and he is crawling towards Trunks. He realized he only has one sensu bean. I know. know. So he had one sensu bean and after making. I forgot about fucking. Me fucking too. Me fucking too. They're so important. So after making a few jokes about the fact that he only had one arm and one sensu bean, (laughs) he gives Trunks the last one, saving him, and then ends up passing out. Trunks wakes up, brings Gohan back to Capsule Corp, and he, uh, where he recovers, and then they resume training Trunks. If you actually look in the cover of it, mm-hmm. Gohan only has one arm, but Trunks is standing mostly in front of him, so you can't really tell. So it's not a spoiler, but it is a yes. spoiler. Exactly. I love that shit, but yeah. I'm also always like, what the fuck, when I go back later. I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? How dare I not see this and realize that this was going to happen and save myself the heartbreak? <laughs> no. So after some time, Gohan is all healed up, other than you know, having one arm and he is training with Trunks again, who is getting even closer to being leveled up to Super Saiyan. So close to Super Saiyan. So, so close. So while taking a break, they once again hear explosions and they see smoke. They both instantly know it's the androids destroying shit again. Of course. Trunks pleads to go fight, but Gohan, knowing he isn't ready and that he essentially lost an arm in the last battle because he was protecting Trunks, ends up knocking him unconscious with a quick hit to his pressure point on his neck, and he passes out. Vulcan neck pinch. Yep. And Gohan flies off to go fight the androids, despite being handicapped. So Gohan, in his one arm, 
He ambushes Android 17 and he puts on a nice long suspenseful fight with the androids. Quick little sidebar. Not only does Bulma end up finding a cure for the fatal, say, an illness of high cholesterol and build the fucking time machine, she can't build Gohan another arm. I drowned. <laughs> this was the end. <laughs> Put this in my fucking obituary. <laughs> She drowned because everything's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) I'm like, you built a time machine and cured a fucking disease of. You can't give this guy. You can't give him a fucking arm that can sort of do something. Like, literally, just give me like one of those little mixers so that I can at least make like food. You couldn't couldn't give him a. You can lick the batters all the time. Oh, yum. I imagine they're like lick the batters and then be like. Fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> you don't have a tongue anymore. Fuck your stupid that, android the, tongue. That, that's the tongue that was in the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> oh, oh, that's true. <laughs> what the fuck? How is this? This podcast keeps getting weirder. It's because we keep getting longer and longer into nearly a year's worth of quarantine. And we are losing it. Because <laughs> all you see is me. Yep. Um, Gohan in his one arm. Seems to be winning, but then the odds turn against him. He ends up meeting his end with the androids when uh, when the androids gang up on him. It's raining. He's knocked to the ground. They use some Excel dance technique, apparently. I don't know. I copied and pasted. Some what? I don't know. They just shot a whole bunch of fucking shit at him. Okay. But did you just say Excel dance? Yep. That's what it's called. It and sounds like... Him. Okay, it sounds like Excel spreadsheet. But not Excel with an E, with an A. Oh, like Accelerate. Yes. (laughs) I was... (laughs) Like Excel, like spreadsheets? Oh, shit. I just, I mean, maybe that's how it was. (laughs) It doesn't make a whole lot of more sense the other way, but it's all fine. Fuck. Okay. So anyways, it kills Gohan. He's dead. Rip. (laughs) Trunks awakens when he feels uh, Gohan's energy vanish. Upon searching the city, he finds Gohan's dead body. And with the anger and the pain taking over and a whole lot of screaming, because it is Dragon Ball Ah! Trunks finally transforms into a Super Saiyan. The story moves forward three years to age 783, so now he's 17. (laughs) I'm still too old for you. I'm still almost twice your age. But hey. But hey. But hey, when I was like 12, (laughs) this was it. This was fucking it. We were gonna get married. You were in my sixth grade locker. That's so cute and stupid. (laughs) Trunks walks in uh, to Bulma's lab while she's working on the time machine and uh, tells her that he doesn't need anyone's help from the past. He'll be able to handle the androids himself. He is a 17-year-old boy. That's true. And he's like, I'm a super saiyan. I can do it. I knew what I'm doing. Yep. But she's like, hey, Gohan was a super saiyan too and he's pretty dead. (laughs) Um, Bulma with the win. <laughs> also, his father was a Super Saiyan, and Rip. Vegeta was the prince of Saiya, yeah. and also dead, but it's fine. It's okay. No one needs to talk about that. As we talked about earlier, there was an episode called Vegeta Dies, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's a V. <laughs> And a G. And a lots of E's. And it doesn't... But he doesn't have one E in it. No. <laughs> Vegeta. It sounds exactly the fucking same if you've never seen fucking subtitles. It does! Alright, so a news bulletin uh, is on the radio and it's announcing that the androids are attacking a town. I guess it's called Bridgetown. And Trunks goes off to fight them despite Balma being like, please don't. You're 17 and my son and everyone else is My baby! You know. Trunks arrives to find the androids in a now ruined city and um he just starts fighting them i guess turns super saiyan his longer hair is blonde and floating in the air right even though he's 17 and it's awful it's fine we were (laughs) younger than that when we thought he was hot it's true now we're old it's true and even though he is super saiyan he's still young and gets his ass kicked they make 
horrible puns and jokes the whole time that you would probably enjoy. <laughs> I enjoyed um, it and I didn't hear any of them. <laughs> he has a sword for some reason. Oh, I don't really know I where it comes from. <laughs> they might talk about it in a, a later actual Dragon Ball Z episode, but they don't in the movie. Literally, I don't fucking care. Yep. He's not very good. He just kind of swings it around. Of um, course he isn't. <laughs> He's 17 and hasn't had any proper training. Yeah. Any? Have you met any 17-year-old with a sword? Because <laughs> no. I was a 17-year-old with a sword. What is wrong with your parents? They didn't buy it for me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Where'd you get a sword at 17? I bought it for me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I bought it from some dumb fucking place. And then as soon as I got into conventions, I was buying weapons. Well, yeah. Yeah. After a lot of taunting... Trunks is badly beaten, and the androids at this point are basically just toying with them. But they get bored, and basically are like, we're just going to kill you. But he does end up surviving this large blast from Android 18. When he awakens, he is at home. Um, Bulma is at his side. He has a nice little talk with his mom, knowing that he got his ass handed to him and realizing that he can't defeat the androids on his own. So he decides to use the time machine to travel back into time and to give Goku the heart medicine. So about six months later, yep, yep, just, just some high blood pressure it's medicine. It's just fucking Lipitor. It's just, hey, stop eating so much salt, you Lipitor asshole. Lipitor and you can't have any grapefruit anymore. <laughs> Like, what? You have to buy cans of soup that say low sodium. Sorry. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. So six months later, Trunks is healed and the time machine is complete. So he gets on in. Bulma wishes him good luck and Trunks uses the time machine to travel back to the past. During the ending credits, which I think is like the first episode when Trunks shows up in like the first like or like the last five minutes of the episode. Mm-hmm. He shows up making a nice dramatic entrance by quickly killing Frieza and King Cold because teenagers Mm -hmm. always over the top and dramatic. Also, he's the son of Vegeta. This is true. And Bulma, both dramatic bitches. So he ends up, everybody's just kind of standing there being like, "Ah, killed everyone. I think at this point, this is when they like just came back from defeating Frieza, and then Frieza was there again. I don't remember. It's hard to remember. Yeah, how I don't know. It's so long. Fucking dies. Um, he gives Goku the medicine, and this is when Android seventeen and eighteen end up showing up for the first time. Though, if I do remember correctly, there was the sixteen and seventeen that show, or fifteen and sixteen that showed up before seventeen and I eighteen. Sixteen showed up. After 17 I don't know. and 18, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I thought it was 15 and 16 and then 17 and 18. Because and I, I thought, don't remember 15 literally like, at all. He was the more human older guy, I think. I thought he was the man who made them. Yeah, who was the older guy that he was, was also, human, but he made himself an android. I didn't know I that. Think. Okay. I could be completely wrong. I don't really remember. Life is a mystery. It's hard. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name. And it feels <laughs> like... Home. Okay, that's all. <laughs> Finish this so we can eat. So that's basically where that movie ends. So that is me and Martha being way too into trunks and the history of trunks. Yes. And our food is here. Mm-hmm. Just Friends. fucking episode 40. Rate, review, yeah. subscribe. You know the deal. We'll have, I, have, I don't know, we'll have You're, more coming yeah. your way. We are on. Believe us, shit is coming. <laughs> Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also on the ESO Network and Podbean. And we'll see you fucking next Tuesday, everyone. See you fuckers next <laughs> Tuesday. Shit. <laughs> Just like a friend, you know I'll take you there. Just like a views to me. You are a mystery. <laughs> Just like a dream. You are not what you see. Just like a prayer. Just like a thank you there. Okay. I'm like, I'm stuck on here. We got through. Help. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.